In this episode, we're having a one-word conversation with students. Faculty took the word bootstraps to some interesting places. The students took us deeper. The goal of this podcast is to place students and faculty into dialogue with each other over the issues that impact teaching and learning in community college. We want student and faculty voices to be authentic and raw. Yes, we're Generation Z. Like, come through. We want to hear how faculty are actually teaching and how students are actually learning. How confident are we all in that we are teaching the way students learn? We want to hear what resources are currently available and what needs are still not being met. I want like full campus exposure, not like, like ah, you got to club, you know what I mean? We want to engage the topics that make us salty. Oh, canvas! That make us hopeful. The Uprise and Mecha and Puente. And that make us educators. Through these discussions, we won't arrive at decisions or solutions. Rather, we hope to provide space for a range of perspectives weighing values and outcomes. When students talk about what has made them successful is always those personal connections they have with the faculty. A space where teaching and learning meet. Dangerous topics need a safe space. This is a podcast brave enough. Dumb enough? Um, empathetic. Yes, this is a podcast with empathy enough to create a safe space for dangerous topics. In our last conversation, I brought up the word grit, the concept of grit from Angela Duckworth, this idea that if you have passion, if you have persistence, you can be successful. That's right. In this next episode, uh, where we interview students, Students share about this concept of grit, but they don't use that language, right? Mm -hmm. And so I want to bring this up just to put on our radar. It's really interesting that uh, 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 different students will talk about it was when they found their interests or when Mm -hmm. they reflected on who they were in high school that that became a drive. It became a motivator. Uh, that that then compel them to do the work, right? The work of school. But what I think is also really fascinating is they also critiqued, you know, these different circumstances they found that they find themselves in, right? So totally. even if they're passionate, even if they're motivated, if that circumstance is toxic, it's really hard. Yeah. And or if the circumstances they find themselves in. So for example, one student struggles with homelessness at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Another student, uh, uh, um, um, just a, a really traumatic event. Uh, brain injury, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. So when those circumstances are in play, passion and persistence is not enough, right? Right. It's all the other things. It's all the other around things. Around it, right? Where we think about grit, we're thinking about working hard and, and pushing through um, without the context of the rest of their lives. And I think the students, what you're going to hear is they do a great job of providing that context for us, providing the other things that go on in their lives that definitely impact their their status as a student at the community college, but also kind of drives them to that hard work like you're talking about. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And then with faculty in, in the conversation on bootstraps, talked about like in the classroom, bootstrapping in the classroom, what it means to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and kind of in the way that we are now as tenured faculty, it was all tenured faculty that were actually in that particular conversation. And, you know, there's this assumption that our boots are already on now. Right. 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 And it's like that may or may not be the case, but that is probably the assumption. Right. And, you know, these students in this conversation, they're talking about making these really tough and and kind of ambiguous and and really 
confusing transitions from like high school to college right, right. and from military to college right. and from sports to like being an athlete to being a scholar, right? And so I really find those particular transitions so interesting, so compelling, the stories that they're that you're about to hear, because there's so many changes going on in their lives. And, you know, with this bootstraps mentality, they're just expected to make it happen. Right. And what does make it happen mean? And you're going to you're going to find out. Right, right, right. Cool. All right. Let's jump into it. Let's go. So, Jacob, when you think of the word bootstraps, what comes to mind? When I think of the word bootstraps, I think of pulling yourself together from starting from the bottom. You've noticed that you kind of hit like rock bottom and you're like, okay, well, it's time to put in the work and like I'm grabbing my bootstraps and I'm getting up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what does that look like in action? Like what, what are the kind of things that you do to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? For me, it's first, it's like identifying that you're in like a low place or like you need or you're, you need to seek help. And then the following step is like, putting yourself first and like knowing that you are an important person and like your goals matter and like your opinions matter and then like doing like self-care like doing things that you enjoy Mm -hmm. to like build on yourself personally because like that's where all the drive comes from like you're not going to succeed if you don't want to it's Mm -hmm. just basically like believing in yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what does that look like here at the community college like doing some of those things you're talking about it might be like getting involved in like Miracosta events on campus or like, or as small as to like just walking to class with like headphones not in so you can like really enjoy your presence in the world rather than like putting yourself in your own little bubble and like possibly having a conversation with a new person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. I'm chiming on that. Um, when I think of bootstraps, he touched on, on a very good topic about um, being more present. And um, we want to build a foundation of presence in our current way of living, but I feel like now it's definitely being more drawn away. But um, when I think of bootstraps, I think it's over mask. I think of, in my household, my dad had eight brothers and sisters, so he was raised with military. His dad was in the military for the Navy. He was in the Navy. And so I think bootstraps has a very... Um, a masking thing to sort of hide your emotions, to sort of masquerade what you fear mm-hmm. and like also sometimes like what you deeply desire. And I think that sometimes there's some self-confliction with that. And I think it's built up a sort of false masculinity mm-hmm. for a sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it could be applied for women as well. But um, just personally speaking, um, my dad's definitely the more outgoing out of his brothers and sisters. Like he he's always been very fair-minded and sort of respected like each each thing my sister and I have gone through like she's always there like no judgment at all but I can tell that for some other parents different generations generational conflicts like bootstraps can mean like like here like put on like put on this mask so you can hide like hide your weaknesses and your vulnerability to things Mm -hmm. and sort of you go out day in day out sort of putting this false image of yourself this false identity I think it's a very big struggle, but bootstraps is sort of like this, like mask. I think I mainly think mask, yeah. like mm-hmm. put on the bootstraps and just like go out in the world and yeah. And thinking of your family, do you feel like that mask is also self perpetuating? In other words, if you look up to family members who do bootstrap, who seem strong and who seem oh yeah capable, then yeah. that gives you a sense of you need to do it also. Yeah, in the and- beginning, um, when I was growing, like growing up through middle school and high school. 
I was always looking up to my dad. Like he, my dad like wasn't that egotistical man though. Like he was very humble. Yeah. But um, sort of before though, like he he told me about how he had to work to where he is now. Mm-hmm. And sort of when I look at that image of himself compared to now, I sort of like man like, I want to be able to provide for my future family and to sort of embrace this idea of I gotta provide be the breadwinner mm-hmm. in quotations. But um, but now I definitely have a different view from that, where it's like each of us are entitled to a certain like to our own standards of masculinity and um there are ways like yeah do what you love and that, that's what I, my foundation for that right now that, that's really interesting so do we feel like bootstraps is that purely a masculine kind of term monique um i feel for me when i think of bootstraps i think of like negativity you know the challenges that life throws at you hmm. Coming from a military background, you know, not wanting to show weakness. So when I'm struggling in school, not wanting to show it. When life is happening, I'm trying to do homework, not wanting to show it. um, Because there is that mask that you have to put on. I would say it has masculine um, aspects to it. But I think it's, like you said, it's putting on a mask. So nobody knows that you're struggling because you're still showing up. You're going to school. You're laughing with people. um, But you're failing classes, you know, or you don't know what's going on, you don't know how to communicate what's going on. When I think of that, I think a lot about mental health. So with bootstrapping and pulling yourself up, like Jacob said, like you have to admit that you do need to pull yourself up. You have to admit that you've gotten to the point where like you're you're down, you're at the bootstraps. And with that, I think that you, admitting it is part of it, but you have to admit that you need help and you actually have to get the help. And I think like what you said, where, like, you're putting on a mask, you're not really helping yourself in the end. Like, that mask isn't going to last forever, and you're going to crash again, and you're going to have to go through that whole cycle. So, um, like, I know even here, like, starting at a community college, getting help could be just going to see a counselor, saying, mm-hmm. what classes do I take? Mm-hmm. The first step is enrolling and figuring out, okay, this is what I want to do. But it also comes with, like, going to a counselor, and I think the counselors here are really great with understanding, like, a plethora of, of personal issues mm. and saying like this is what I can take I can only take maybe six units even mm. though you know full-time would be 12 or you know I feel I can push myself and I can take 15 units mm. or like anything like that so I think that part of bootstrapping is getting like mental health it's interesting because we hear on the one hand kind of this masking or this kind of idea where if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you're not seeking help. You're trying to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the conversation, we're hearing people say it's realizing that you do need to go get help. So how do students navigate both of those things? We have these ideas of being an individual, but also there are these resources out there and you may need them. Mm. Well, I just believe that it's um, very subjective kind of bouncing between kind of each and every individual person. Um, kind of being someone who has gone through, like, my life being mostly independent in terms of, like, school and, and just my own work and everything. Because uh, as I've kind of explained before, that my parents are, like, first generation here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't even know English. They didn't even get through middle school in their country. Um, so as far as school-wise, I've had to pretty much do everything myself. Because I do have two older siblings, but um, neither of them even finished high school either. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a struggle. Um, so when, like I said, when I think of bootstraps, I just think of um, 
I kind of gear more towards the, the mental health side, kind of being uh, mentally strong and being able to kind of just click that button of, okay, something's going on here, I'm not on my A game, and it's time for me to pick myself up and kind of get back to it. Because, like I said, I don't really think that in my life I wouldn't really have anyone to go to when it came to, like, seeking guidance of, okay, what can this idea of bootstraps possibly mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of had to have formed that own thought, like, on my own completely, just because I have never really had that sort of guiding hand. Yeah. Like I said, don't get me wrong, my parents have provided me with, like, everything I need. Yeah. Uh, but just in certain aspects of my life, for sure, yeah. I've had to kind of create my own image. And, and that's what's kind of formed that idea of just, like, that sort of independent mental self-awareness health type thing. I was going to just, like, go off of that. Um, I have a sort of similar situation. Like, my mom didn't go to college. She got her GED because she, you know, she got pregnant and whatever, had to drop out. And I have, I'm the youngest of three. And the oldest senior year, you know, got all their stuff together, figured out college on their own, figured out scholarships, figured out, I don't know how they did it because there was like no resources back in like 2011. Sure. Um, and when I was growing up, you know, I was like, oh, well, your brother did it. You got to figure it all out on your own. Uh-huh. And I felt it was really kind of toxic because it kind of made me think like, oh, there are resources, but you shouldn't use them. Like if mm-hmm. he could do it on his own then you should do it on your own. Sure. And coming here, I've realized, like, those resources are there for a reason. Yeah. So you should utilize them and, like, not feel guilty about it. Yeah. They're there because somebody else needs them, too. Right. That's right. And so, Kennedy, you mentioned specifically counseling on campus. Um, yes. And I was going to uh, ask, Victor, uh, uh, who or what have you felt connected to on this campus in terms of just, like, going through your day-to-day, feeling like you're doing it all on your own. Has there been a professor or has there been a club or has there been a cafeteria experience? Class. Yeah, a class where you're like, that kind of that kept me going, right? And then mm. maybe we can bounce around it. Yeah, I think it's... A lot of it has been kind of my friends, sort of my, mm. my peer group, uh, because as far as, like, the ones I'm most closest to, they've kind of pursued, like, school and they're their whole career and like I said I, I got really blessed with like a, a super good friend group because cool. that's that's honestly uh, I believe was the determining factor of um, sort of our upbringings so for example I have a older brother because like I said I'm the youngest of three as well um, and my older sister is just like pretty well older than us so it was usually just me and my brother and he hung out with the wrong group of kids and I'd say it started in middle school um, and so that sort of escalated to him eventually ending up in juvenile hall, you know, doing drugs, skipping school, kind of just living that sort of really, really rough, like, sort of life from, like, 15 up till he was, like, 20, 21. Um, and then that's why I usually think about it a lot, because when I do think about it, me and him, we had the exact same up- upbringing. Yeah. So, you know, my parents raised us the same exact way, whatever one got, the other got, you know, never, never another type of, like, unfair behavior towards us. Mm-hmm. Um so that's why I do really believe in that statement, like, whoever you surround yourself with, with regarding friends and everything, that's that's who you will reflect, that's who your, like, your image will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I usually kind of talk about that, and uh, I don't know, I kind of veered off the conversation. No, that's, cool. that's great. Yeah. But, so it's yeah. been your friend. Yeah, it's been my friend yeah. group, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's been my peers that kind of have motivated me to keep pushing. Um, I have had great professors, for sure. Miracos is a, an extremely just well-rounded, well-staffed, uh, college um, 
but yeah, it's mostly being my friends and kind of just motivating one another to, you know, checking up on grades, everything like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for my experience, grew up an athlete, really big athlete, athletic family in the Carlsbad area. Mm -hmm. And I went to El Camino. I played football and baseball, but then concentrated on baseball more. And so I was pretty much at the top of the food chain at, at in high school. Mm -hmm. I was the jock, but I was more, I was more so the kind and gentle jock. I wasn't egotistical. I was sort of just humble and just I base off my friendships with respect, mm -hmm. and also um, allowing them to understand my vulnerabilities. And particularly this uh, in 2017, um, it was a rough year for me. I went to JUCO in pursuing of playing D1 baseball. And um, it got cut short because of the coach and I, we disagree on a few things. He pretty much lied to me. And so I was in a dark hole there. And then my ex-girlfriend and I at the time, we dated for a year and she broke up, we broke up mutually together, but I loved her. And then like that sort of veered off downhill even more. And then um, I got into law enforcement for some reason. It was sort of like, it piqued my interest. And then it veered off because I didn't like how everything was ran. And then I also got concussion because I was doing jujitsu at the time. And so with the cultivation combination of all those factors, I was in a very dark place. It's hard to sort of rebound from like going through certain emotional struggles. At the time, I like I wasn't I had no importance anymore because I was way mm -hmm. I was I used to be so on top and like mm -hmm. I felt very mm -hmm. like I was very happy with how I was like being an athlete. And then um, so what what caused the refocus here? You know, um, I, I, I know yeah. you're very focused as a student. Yeah. Um, the turning point here was um, my parents saw that I was struggling, so did my sister. But I've always been a really good student, 3.8, graduated with honors in high school. And I thought that more so, like, I knew I was a great student, but I think that this sort of shadow self and this vulnerability, I wasn't used to being more vulnerable to my parents and to my friends and to the therapists and neurologists I've seen now. And so... Now, being able to express those weaknesses and vulnerabilities I have, I feel like a lot, well, way better. I'm in a way better position, but, and I'm making, like, a really good, like, not comeback, but I'm, like, progressing a lot better than I was, like, a few months ago, like, a year or so ago. And so, I think it's just, like, you guys touch up on mental health. I think it's very important to be able to express your vulnerabilities, and I think that the bootstrap, not tying it back to the topic, is sort of that, that really mean aggressive shield that is it shouldn't be like that why do we need to wear boots where we can just be barefoot you know wear sandals <laughs> nice. like we don't need to conform to that really weird masculine thing that comes with generational conflict as well like i touched up on yeah and now like we're seeing this new social structure where a lot more men are being more vulnerable to their emotions and how they feel cool mm -hmm. that's awesome thanks um to go off of what he said uh I also had a concussion in 2017 and like I can understand like going through a dark place because one I didn't want to like communicate with anybody like I didn't want to have conversations with my parents because I felt like I'd get ticked off or like put up put out the wrong emotion and like my whole message get misinterpreted because of like the way my mind was functioning at the time but that is also like a really crucial point in time where you need to go seek help like Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing to seek help. Like, yeah. it's only to benefit yourself and, like, your well-being. And it also mm -hmm. helps others around you, like, grow because they're seeing you grow. That's right. That's a great point. And then um, something that I enjoy using here at Miracosa is the Health and Services Center with yeah. the therapist mm -hmm. because yeah. I feel like it provides a really, like, safe space to really talk about things that kind of hit home. 
And my first visit, uh, he actually like gave me, or he was asking me questions that were like kind of driven towards myself, which I never really asked myself, nor has anybody else. And they like hit home and I like, I had to sit and think for a while because it was the first time I actually thought about myself before somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it was just important to acknowledge that I was in this place and like, he's here to help me and I'm gonna give him, or I'm gonna try to open up as much as I can in order for him to help me. Mm-hmm. because that's the only way you can actually like understand somebody's full story is mm-hmm. if you know all the details mm-hmm. and um do you think do you think that students know about the kind of help they can get at the community college? Um, i think some of them and i only say that because last semester i took a counseling 100 class and they made it kind of like known that you have all these like service or cool. yeah services throughout the miracosa campus yeah and um but like on the on the other side of that there's kids that like haven't taken mm-hmm. a counseling course like that or like have been exposed to the um services we have here on campus and i think that's sad because it's like most of them are kind of free so might as well yeah. use them while you can yeah they're included in your student fees yeah. right those visits yeah and can i ask mm-hmm. just real fast like what was the first day experience like what because i know for me i'll know about a resource but it'll take me a while to actually go over and open the door and get because can you just share really quickly like what what did it take like what was it actually like to, um, your first time over there my first time over there it was a little nerve-wracking and like i didn't know what to expect at first but um to like make an appointment or um you can walk in and uh, give an, like give your name, student ID, and then um, if you want to use your six free uh, six services, you set up a, like a day and like a set time for every week for six weeks. Yeah. And then if you really need it, they take in walk uh, they take walk ins, but I think those are also appointment based driven. So sure, like sure. you walk in on say a Monday, and then at like eleven. They might have you come back at like three sure, sure. because that's when the therapist is available. Cool. Thank you. So, I think, oh, sorry. Yeah. I think going off of that, I think it was you also that had said that like it's really well staffed here at Maricosta. And with the like you asked, somebody asked like, oh, do you think, I think it was Sean that asked, do you think people know? I've been really lucky. That was my job before. Like my first job on campus was, um, I was a will a wellness peer educator. But basically, I just did the presentations that went into classrooms. Mm-hmm. But I've been really lucky that the majority of my professors actually have somebody come in, mm-hmm. even if it's like one of the actual therapists that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets kind of tiring when you hear it like every single class, mm-hmm. but it's really, really, mm-hmm. it's really, really nice. It's really assuring, <laughs> reassuring. Uh, I think that every I've never had a bad run-in with a professor where it's like they don't care about you mm-hmm. they're just here to get you to pass a test and like get the money and that's it I feel like a lot of the just the faculty here is like you know you're in a class and yes that's important but you're also important like mm-hmm. your well-being your entire being is important not just the academic part cool um so I um was a peer educator as well um I wanted to be the veteran representative because I know that it's hard coming into a space where you have to ask for help. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think that a lot of the services um, that are offered are known, you know. Um, I know that there was a time when um, my disability payments got messed up and I was sleeping in my car or I was sleeping um, at hotels and stuff and that was just draining, draining. Meanwhile, I'm coming to school 
and I'm the vice president for the vet club, you know, and I'm helping people out, but my life is crashing. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I remember we get fortunate at the vet club where um, people from around campus will come in. So the financial aid director was there, the counselor, he was there, mm -hmm. um, you know, and just random people. And they were telling us about some of the stuff that they offer. I was in DSPS, I was in EOPS, you know, so just being able to communicate with them and they're like, oh, well, there's this emergency grant. Oh, the school has a $500 grant um, emergency that you don't have to pay back, you know. And so learning about stuff like that, um, learning about scholarships, um, walking me through applying for scholarships, you know, and now I'm getting two, $3,000 in scholarships every semester, you know. So just learning about stuff like that um, and knowing that there are people that care um, and switching my major to sociology, you know, and that was even more mind-blowing because there are people that went through experiences that I've gone through, you know, and they're making it, and they're like, hey, well, I did this, use this. So, I mean, there's so many things I think that people don't know that the school provides, and I just, part of me being open to doing this podcast um, is because I've been able to come out on the other side of it and just wanting mm -hmm. others to know that, it's okay to go ask for help, you know, or I was telling a veteran the other day who was struggling with finances, you know, if you write, I couldn't remember who, but I'm like, just send an email to um, somebody in counseling. I said, and they'll connect you with the right people. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't see him for a couple of days. And then I saw him um, a couple of days later and all of a sudden, you know, he's got food, he's happy, you know, and things like that. Um, so I think, you know, there's not an awareness and learning how to show that you know students and faculty you know bridge the gap there and show that these services are available and we've all been there and it's okay so trying to figure that out yeah uh if i were to pull a thread through what i'm hearing it's to pull yourself up by your bootstraps is to succeed so if you're at your low point you have to pull yourself up uh if you know your major you have to pull yourself through if you're going through a hard time you don't want people to see it you pull yourself up mm. but what i'm hearing is if you don't reach out to resources, you actually limit yourself more so. And then in fact, to be vulnerable and to reach out is to be able to succeed even more so when you have those tools and you're equipped in that way. Yes. Yeah? For sure. Cool. Right on. So I know a couple of us, so uh, Monique, you just mentioned kind of rethinking majors. Uh, Victor, earlier you were saying you're going through a different uh, kind of process of finding your major. Well, how, how, how has that been for us? Did we all come into Miracosta knowing exactly what you wanted to do? Um, and, or what resources helped you, what experiences helped you kind of figure out your individual major, what you're going to work really hard on to, to accomplish? So what actually got me inspired to do my major was um, I went through two majors, almost like Victor. I was going through a tornado of, of different majors. My first major was physical therapy. But then I did. I wasn't dedicated enough for the schooling for that and the anatomy aspect, so I declined that. Um, then my second one was criminal justice, but then um, I sort of didn't like. I didn't value it as much as I did at the time, and so I stopped doing that. But then I found sociology, the study of social behavior with personal interaction with people. And I was like, hey. Like that, it actually piqued my interest, and so that's a popular major. On yeah, this I just, and I was just yeah. very, yeah, and, and I was just, yeah, and I was just very fascinated with the aspect of so that sort of that social interaction because I know um, what inspired me to take up my major was sort of that cultures that are struggling with self-identification and sort of um, intimate relationships, friendships, and to connect them all and understand like 
there are like a lot of trials and tribulations with these sociocultural chains and also circumstances because I know each individual goes through harsh circumstances like concussions like Jake and I went through. I think also it also matters with circumstance. Mm-hmm. Like we have to understand that sometimes things just happen for a reason and um, in order to overcome those things, it's okay to be vulnerable, to show that weakness, to get the help you need. A big emphasis on that because nowadays there's a lot of more sheltering with people a lot of people feel isolated and alone and I think they're scared to be alone sometimes and it's just like there there comes a point where you have to learn to be alone but you're not alone in the long run though you have those resources to look up to and then like to help you deal with it when you're by yourself and so I think that's what inspired me yeah. to take with sociology to sort of interconnect everything and cool. sort of help people and to sort of help Nice. And so that's what inspired me. Um, yeah, so uh, I was talking about a little about it earlier, but um, basically what helped me decide on my major, um, you know, I started off with uh, computer engineering. I wanted to make video games. I love video games. I still do. Me too. Um, but I, I, I wanted to make them, you know, so went into computer science, did not like that at all. Passed the class at least, but I was like, I don't want to just be trapped behind the screen all day and be typing, you know. Yeah. So I, I got off of that and then I kind of wanted to be mechanical engineer too much too much like physics too much school yeah didn't want to do all that um but then that's when I kind of had had a shift from like focusing on like um trying to secure a job that that makes sure I'm financially stable to just you know not having to dread going to my job every day uh because I thought about it you do it say on, on a regular 40 hours a week Five days out of seven, you know, you're gonna spend a good amount of time there. So if you don't like your job and you dread going to this, um, there's really, I, I put my happiness and my joy over over money, basically. But I also focused on sort of human interactions, trying to help others while also trying to put them in the position to succeed, whether it's um, with school or with just life in general or sports or whatever. Um, so that's why I kind of focused on wanting to be a teacher because. You know, I, I, I love math, as I was explaining before. Um, you know, I just love just the sort of class layout, too. And in my experience, honestly, with math, so taking math classes, my teachers in high school, um, has actually helped that as well. And then also, like I said, focusing on the kind of human interactions and human connections, because like I was saying as well, I also want to particularly focus on high school, because I feel like that's such an important, like, sort of time frame in yeah. a kid's life, you know? Yeah. Um, they're kind of venturing into this adulthood and it kind of hits them like a like a like a rocket you know it's crazy because I, I'm just explaining kind of myself too because mm-hmm. you know that just the year span of from graduating up till like June of so after my freshman year of college mm-hmm. like so much stuff changed and like it was just very different so that's why it was kind of crazy so kind of just trying to help prepare kids for that kind of veering them towards it and trying to set them up for success that's kind of something and like I said obviously getting paid for it and then mm-hmm. obviously being able to support your own family at the same time. Right. Um, yeah. And then getting like a two and a half month vacation too. That's not <laughs> that. That's not that. We, we definitely appreciate you focusing on the high school students. Cause oh yeah, absolutely. We get, we get them right after, right? And, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, we hear this thing about mechanical engineering is a lot of school. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say as a sociologist, I never left school. Uh-huh. That's I'm right. I'm still here. Victor's <laughs> <laughs> trying to stay, too. You're going to be a teacher. You're always right. going to be yeah. in a classroom, right? Yeah, that's yeah. And um, so, 
Thank, thanks for sharing that process with us. Like, Kennedy, what, what about you and your major? Um, I was really blessed to know my major going into it. Mm. Um, I had two, well, I had one major shift all growing up from fifth grade until maybe freshman year of high school. It was, I'm going to be a civil rights attorney. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to go to Harvard. I'm going to do all of these things. I was always in the law library learning pointless things that, like, I don't, why do I need to know penal codes? Like, what I don't understand what I was doing. And then freshman year with just an accumulation of, of family things and really trying to understand myself, I realized, wow, I'm pretty screwed up as a person. I don't want other kids to go through this. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started really looking into psychology, which had always fascinated me to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um so coming here, you know, I took a semester off for my own mental health uh, off out of high school. Um, but coming here, I, I always kind of knew, and it was really nice. And it was, I mean, Matthias and I took a social, yeah, the did. criminal justice class, yeah. and it kind of sparked my, my little, oh, civil rights again. But um, mm-hmm. I always had that, that psych in there. And every psych teacher I've had has been absolutely amazing and really, like, reassuring, you know, you seem really passionate about it. If you were to change, it'd be kind of a loss to the field, but I would understand. <laughs> but yeah, I was really I was really blessed to know what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah I'll just say one last thing. Cool. Um, to touch on what you said about like the, the time period from like graduating and then like your freshman year of college, mm-hmm. like me personally going through that right now, mm-hmm. I fully understand that and it, it mm-hmm. is like a lot to take in and like Get, understand kids, they don't who believe you it. are. Yeah. They don't believe and, it until they've experienced mm-hmm. it. Um, like getting those resources help a lot trying to figure out like your place and like how to get through college as a first year student mm-hmm. and um, uh, like in high school I've always like kind of like thought I talked a lot so I was like might as well look into like what a communication major is and as of right now I'm in a, a communication uh, communication theory class and it's really interesting to like learn about how or like what people like the thoughts that they think and like why they think those things and um, having expectations that like you have for other people but you don't say them like they're just solely based within like your wants and needs and like how some people can get mad when those expectations aren't met but like I said like I've always thought I've been like a pretty good talker and I've I've wanted to improve on my public speaking because I did like host a couple rallies at my high school cool so um I just thought I'd build on that but as far as like knowing my major I've been like 80 percent yes about being a communication major but then there's like that 20 percent of like self-doubt or just like doubt in general of whether or not this is where my like mind wants to be and just allowing myself to take in as much information as I can is what I've been trying to focus on. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Monique, can we ask you, did, can, I, can I ask you, did you, so you went through uh, a military service first mm-hmm. and, and what was that and for how long? Um, I did four years in the Marine Corps straight out of high school. Um, I didn't really want to follow the rules, um, and I wanted to be grown, and I wanted to be an adult, and trying to do that in a military family doesn't always work out. Um, And then I was a junior when, um, in high school, when September 11th happened, and I remember thinking, my dad's going to deploy, and just going through that, and then um, just me and a group of students, you know, friends, just decided that we were going to enlist in the military, and so that's what we ended up doing. 
Um, and I was 17. My dad and mom had to sign the paperwork for me. Um, and so I grew up in the military. Yeah. Um, grew up in that whole environment. And I thought it was good until I came out of it. Mm. And I realized that certain ideologies, behaviors, um, even slang is toxic, you know, is offensive. Um, and this wasn't going to be my military, wasn't going to be my whole life. Mm -hmm. So you need to know how to communicate. Um, and so I picked my first major um, in physical therapy as well, because I thought that that's what was expected of me. Mm. And um, I think going through challenges, you know, um, I realized that I'm miserable, you know, mm -hmm. I... I'm miserable, I'm already suffering from PTSD, you know, so I'm depressed, and why am I just going through the motions, you know, I don't want to mm -hmm. do this anymore. And I remember one of the counselors at DSPS was talking about sociology and how you have enough credits, um, and I was like, well, what is that? And so just talking about it, I was like, you know what, I've been doing certain aspects of sociology my whole life, and mm -hmm. um, in the veteran community, we have like 21 veterans, 22 veterans who commit suicide every day, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm very passionate on that aspect of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've always said that more of us need to jump into fields of psychology because no one knows how to help our community but mm -hmm. us, you mm -hmm. know, the best because mm -hmm. we've been through it. So wanting to go in and attack the system because the system is messed up, it sends you out messed up, you know, and um, wanting to fix that. So I was fortunate enough we have a really good sociology department here um and they've been encouraging um they're definitely helping me learn how to push back against the system in a positive way so it's really um like i everything just feels right yeah so mm -hmm. that's awesome can, can you talk a little bit about the military in terms of bootstraps and like this idea of like individual achievement happens in the military but there's also a stripping away of the individual, right, um, for the benefit of the group. Can you talk a little bit about that and then maybe in the context of the community college, thinking about the community here and working together and, and that kind of teamwork if it exists or it doesn't, or what is the, what is the level of importance for the individual um, at the community college as opposed to in the military? Does that make sense, what I'm saying there? So, um... I'm pretty sure it's all across the board in all branches. Um, you know, in the Marine Corps early on, you learn um, how to rely on the team, you know. In boot camp, you're stripped of anything that makes you an individual, anything that makes you stand out. And it's one bad apple spoils the bunch. Um, and so you learn that it's a team, but your team is specific to Marines or Army or Air Force, you know. And so... You look for that, you rely on that um, because you're all you have. And so I think that when you come to the community college, it's a little bit different because you look for things that are like you. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that um, it's a struggle when you don't find it, you know, you don't, and you don't see it represented and faculty, you know, you're just kind of like thrust into the world. Like, mm -hmm. here you go, figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think that if you don't take the steps to get to know your peers and to, you know, um, I always say there's two types of people that come out of the military. There's those that only want to associate with the military and like-minded individuals. And there's those that maybe started out like that, but you realize you can't go through life like that, which is what I had to do. Because I was like, 
I'm only going to talk to Marines when I come to Maricosta, you know, and that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so learning the value in community and other people and seeing it represented in the various groups and clubs, you know, and wanting to be a part of it and realizing that you have to adapt, you have to adjust. Um, now that I'm able to do that, telling other people, you know, when I hear them coming in, oh, I only want to associate with Marines, Army, whatever. I'm like, no, you're not going to succeed if you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But learning to, you kind of have to relearn how to be a part of the community when you come out, that it's not just this isolated person. You have to assimilate, basically. It's really fascinating. So the military strips away your individuality, a way to become a part of a team. And when you find yourself at Maricosta, you look for the team and often find self find yourself as an individual isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kennedy, I saw you smirk at one point. <laughs> Looked like you were relating. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I just have a lot of like really really close friends in the military, and mm-hmm. even um, like I was at an event and I got an Air Force sweater, and I showed one of my friends. He's like, "What crap is that? You only wear Marine Corps things." <laughs> and I was like, "What are you like? Y'all are all fighting the good fight. You're all serving the country. Calm down." But yeah, it's a lot of that like I have friends who out of high school join different branches army marine corps navy and all of them are the I think marines are the most aggressive with it but they're all like you don't wear other people's stuff like <laughs> this is the right branch this is the good branch right. yeah a lot of pride there mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And which Ken- I think is kind of ridiculous but. And Kennedy you're the president of our GSA our gender sexuality alliance what about that community versus being an individual well being in that community, like, uh, what what is the importance of having that support network versus being an individual student here at Miracosta? Um, I think the biggest thing with the club is support, having our own space now, which is great. Like I, I rave about that like every day. I love having it, um, and I've lot of, I've seen a lot of individuals who have showed up just kind of sat at the table, seen us be we're a really rowdy rowdy like extremely rowdy group (laughs) people walk in there and they're like what the hell is going on but I've seen people who come in and they just sit there watch us be rowdy and I see the way they are now and they're rowdy with us and they're maybe trans people who um, at home they have to identify as whatever sex they were born into but they come here and you know, they're like, hey, can you do our makeup? And all of us are like, yeah, it's like we have a curler over here. We'll do your hair. Do you want to go to the mall? You know, yeah. and they feel really supported. And with that, I've actually had a few say, like, I was just, I wasn't, I was going to get a job somewhere and move out. And finding, like, just the support group has helped me stay here. Yeah. Like, I feel I'm supported. Sure, staff is great, but I feel, like, supported by other students. So if you ever want your hair or your makeup done, just come to the club room. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. I'm there. <laughs> and then maybe talking about, you know, that you know you, you identify as an athlete, right? Yeah. And that's a very that's a team environment. Yeah, for right? sure. But also has individual standouts. And Can you yeah. relate that to the experience of going to school and academics and, and what you've experienced here? Um, it was a very difficult process. It didn't sit well with me for a little while. Because I knew I had very high athletic achievements, and academically too, but when you purely concentrate on one specific topic or one specific study, so I had to dedicate my time here as an, a scholar and to get to the next college to transfer. It was difficult in 2017, 
but then as I found the major that I really loved, I was able to find my find my own way. I was able to find like find comfortability in where I'm at right now, where I'm about to transfer in May, graduate in May, get my AA in May, mm-hmm. and um, depart for San Marcos. And so um, I do agree though with the individuality stripping. I really love the phrase you coined when you said that because I definitely feel that after everything that I've been through and after like now with the new resources I have and the people I speak to, now I have the help since 2017. So now I'm in a really good place now. But before that, like during those rough times, those dark times, um, unfortunately, my friend group wasn't as strong because in high school, obviously, we're all bonded together. But then as we all departed for mm-hmm. different ways, it was you're isolated and a lot of people fail to admit that when they enter college as a freshman going in mm. it's like they miss people they miss their family their hometown their solid group of friendships and they sort of disperse and you lose some friends along the way you lose some relationships you miss and so lots I, of changes going yeah on. And i think that also ties into the individuality stripping stripping of mm. your individuality because you were so closely knotted with those ideas and like those structures of your social life that it unfortunately evaporates and disperses into the air and so like yeah and that that's really interesting because i think about conversations that i've had with you victor and you talk about kind of coming from a collectivist culture but then also you know we are what we would consider an individualistic society here in the united Mm -hmm. states right Mm -hmm. and so what do you feel like uh can you talk a little bit about the balance of those two things and how that impacts you maybe as a student or as somebody who's, you know, uh, getting started in what, what you said earlier, like your adult life? Well, honestly, it's just been sort of watching who I, like what I surround myself with and, and what my surroundings are because, um, like I said, all this whole transition of from high school to like now being an adult and having a job and going to school and certain expectations like are demanded of you now. Um, so it's honestly kind of just a completely different thing, I would say. Um, because every time I just think about when I was in high school and, and, and the sort of life and just what I did on a daily basis and the people I interacted with on a daily basis and then just changing it um, to my freshman year of college. It's just been, like I said, I, I keep exaggerating it, but like with me particularly, it's just been like the biggest change. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I, I would still say that I'm still trying to accommodate to it and and kind of trying to figure out some sort of balance in my life when it comes to, you know, friends and girlfriend and, and work and school and everything like that. So um, I would say it's been a struggle, but uh, kind of tying it back to I think I do really need to find some sort of, not support group, but just sort of a, a firm foundation um, that I can build off of. And, and like I said, that's why I'm not even entirely sure of what that foundation necessarily needs to be. Um, whether it's maybe going to see a therapist or something like that, or uh, kind of just hitting up a couple friends and being like, hey, let's, let's all just hang out mm-hmm. and just yeah. talk one night, you know? Yeah. Um, so sort of trying to find that and then building off of that is, is sort of what I'm trying to figure out right now. But I think one thing you said that was um, that stuck out to me was being... Um, aware of who you surround yourself with. I think that that's very important um, because from elementary school to middle school to high school to college, you know, you're leveling up. So Mm -hmm. it demands a different version of you. So I think Mm -hmm. um, sometimes 
being vulnerable and putting yourself in spaces that you wouldn't normally, um, you know, consider yourself a part of, I think that um, that'll be beneficial because I know it was for me. That was a conversation that ranged from issues of masculinity to what it is like to try to find community on campus. And specifically with masculinity, I thought it was interesting when it was is grit and bootstraps and individualism, rugged individualism. You know, traditionally that is associated with masculinity. But what we learned here was that this extends out to the idea that people are facing a lot of things as they're trying to get their education. And we know that, but right. to hear the stories yeah. and to have that uh, have that belief kind of confirmed and validated and also to have them validated through this discussion, I, I was just really awestruck by some of what the students had to share, their willingness to share, and the how they got to some places with each other uh, during this conversation on bootstraps. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, so that initial framing of, of bootstraps as a masculine idea, right? Um, I was hearing behind that uh, um, a, a picture of success, that mm-hmm. if you can't, right? And that, that metaphor of a mask, right? right. That, that part of bootstrapping from this perspective um, uh, was it's what you project, it's not only what you can accomplish, right? And I don't know that we talked about that too much in our conversation with faculty, except for, I know, notions of imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. That came out, right? So that, right. that what do we do? Um, go ahead. Yeah, and then pulling up, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and the mask. I think that's really interesting. So you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps in order to show people that you don't need help. And that was a lot of the conversation right. too, was right. is pulling yourself up by your bootstraps doing it on your own? Yeah. That was what some of the students had to say. Right. And then other students said, no, it's realizing, it's coming to that awareness that you do need help. And there's help out there and you need to go seek that help. And when it's presented to you, you need to take advantage of it. And I, I thought, I'm trying to think of a better metaphor, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking of like a boot with a ton of straps like and you keep going to a different resource and it adds a strap and so because I felt like that was the message that I was hearing it was when you when you transition and you 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 feel this pressure to wear this mask and 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 be successful and if you try to do it on your own in isolation it's 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 why don't you take advantage of these resources right at the end when uh, Monique said we're leveling up Mm. And you keep finding yourself in these different versions of yourself and you got to put yourself out there. Right. right. And then the other metaphor, which I think is better than my boots with lots of straps, was <laughs> kick the boots off. Yeah. Like, why do we wear these boots? Like, yeah, if we're in a space where we find community, where we find support where we need it, what do we need boots for? Yeah. And having this conversation and somebody who listened to our our, our talk with with the faculty, uh, very wise teacher told me, she said, you know, my thoughts are there. It's like those rain boots, you know, and I, I have little kids. And so, you know, you get these yeah. rain boots and they have the, the two loops. Right. right? Yeah. On 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 both sides. And she was saying on one side that that's me pulling that up. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on the other side, it's them pulling it up. Yeah. And if they just pull it up, 
that boot's not coming on. Right. And if I just pull it up, that boot's not coming on. So we need both simultaneously. And I think that's really what we've learned in yeah. both of these conversations is that there is the support, there is the community, and then there's the individual determination, right? right? Yeah. It's collective action, but not forgetting about the individual determination that's involved with that. Right. And I think any kind of side you subscribe to, maybe one side more than the other, through some dialogue, through some talking it out, you come to realize that. The interdependence and the independence are working together. And I, I really just appreciated the students sharing their struggles yeah. with us and sharing their struggles with each other. Yeah. And, and each time we do this, I just feel like we're creating little mini communities with these individuals that have these great stories. No doubt. Uh, and so, uh, yes, absolutely. And how, how, how powerful it was for Jacob to say, to tell that story of his self-determined action to go to the counseling office, the, the healthcare center, right? Yes. Right? And then, but for um, Kennedy to remind us how important it is to know about that stuff in the first place, right? So Jacob said he learned about that through a counseling class. But if you don't have those, and, and I, I'm asked all, all the time, I see the email, will you have somebody come into your class and promote this service? And it does take 10 minutes. And there are like five or six students in there that like, okay, this happened in my last class. But I'm thinking of the metaphor you just shared, right? That information and us being willing to create space for it is the hand on the one side of the boot. Right. And Jacob's decision to actually go push open that door and whatever that whatever that experience is going to be to go through it anyway. That's the other hand. Right. Right. And and then what Monique shared was so powerful because we come into different spaces in life that we're not used to. We're not comfortable, you know, being there. And, you know, she talked about the military and kind of sticking with your own. Yeah, right? right. And she said, you're not going to be successful in college doing that. Right. And, and it's kind of like, you know, general ed classes. It's kind of like these other places that you're going to be. You go into these spaces and you think like this is not for me because it's not comfortable or I'm just going to stick to the things that I know. Yeah. But what we try to do with general ed and, and these other ways that we structure college is say, no, you're going to have to meet different people with different interests, different strengths, different weaknesses. And that is really going to make up the richness of your education. Yeah. The content's very important for the field you're going to be working in. Right. But those other skills yes. must be stressed, must, you know, we have to put ourselves in those places. We hear it all the time. You've got to put yourself in these uncomfortable places. And it goes beyond the cliche because Monique really illustrated it for us and gave us some concrete examples of how that works out. Absolutely. And she framed it as I'm leveling up. Yes. So to say you, you have to be vulnerable, you have to put yourself out there and, and right. But to frame it as because you are a more powerful person than you ever been before and to continue to level up. Right. Yeah. I thought it was an, it was a very inspiring expression of that, that 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 liminal moment that I'm about to be some new version of myself. And it's scary and I'm not totally sure I can do it. But it, it's, it's this this. What we're talking about, about bootstraps, this sort of almost contradiction there, right? You have to do that. You have to dig into that. It does right. take a certain amount of grit. And if you do it within an apparatus that's supporting you, then you'll be successful. Yeah. I felt like listening to these conversations, being a part of it, I leveled up. I do too. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, on to the next. Let's yeah. go grind. On to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet man. <laughs> this episode was produced and engineered by Kelly Barnett. James Garcia created the show notes and manages our social media. 
Episodes of the Safe Topics podcast are now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please download and subscribe. Thank you for listening.